Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joe's Weather World only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Joe's Weather World. I thought we'd do a podcast today, just me for you for today, uh, since we've kind of reached the halfway point of winter here in Kansas City, which is kind of an interesting time for us. It's been a little bit of a strange winter, in my opinion. We've, we've really had a challenge, it seems, this winter uh, trying to get some good snow around Kansas City. It's been kind of one of those weird winters where we we have the opportunities to get snow, but in terms of the delivery of the snow, it's been a struggle. I mean, we have been on the struggle bus uh, for quite some time here to pick up some snow. So far this winter, though, we're now up to uh, right around... I think we're up to close to 14 and a half inches or something like that... Uh, so it's been a strange one um, in terms of getting the snow, which is actually about average. So it's, it's been an average winter in terms of snow, even though it seems like we've been having a weird, you know, a dusting here, an inch or two here. Uh, it melts all the time here. It doesn't melt there. It's just been one of those weird, weird winters. So the purpose of this particular blog is just to kind of talk about a couple of things that I've brought up on my, or actually on podcast rather, is just a couple of things that I've brought up on my weather blog, Joe's Weather World, fox4kc.com slash Joe's blog uh, for more on that. But uh, there have been a couple of things here that I've thought have been sort of interesting around here. And I wrote a blog, uh, and we're recording this now in the middle part of February. I wrote a blog back on February 6th or 7th, earlier in the month, talking about snowfall trends here in the middle part of the country and nationwide. And I thought I'd talk about that just a little bit because we're going to kind of dovetail all of this into uh, spring flooding. And I've got a big concern, as many of my colleagues do, about what's coming up so far or coming up during the spring season in a couple of more months. And I think we're starting to see some of the ingredients fall into place for another bad year of springtime flooding. But before I get to that, Let me talk about the snow situation. So we've talked about how kind of weird it's been this winter. And through about the 10th of February, we've seen more snow down in western Texas than we have across the northeast part of the country. Cities like Philadelphia, Boston, uh, New York City have had very, very little snow by comparison to other cities. For example, down towards Oklahoma City, Lubbock, Amarillo, the Texas Panhandle area, they've had uh, quite a bit more snow. Uh, But there was a study that came out Last week, about 10 days ago, for the folks at Climate Central and uh, what they were kind of writing about and showing me that I want to relay to you is how the trends of snowfall have changed, not only nationally, but 
for example, here in Kansas City. So what they did was they looked at roughly close to 50 years of data. And 50 years of data, it's a good chunk of data. It's not overly impressive. It's not underly impressive. It's probably right in what we call a, a, a mid-range of what we call period of record, uh, POR, period of record. And basically what they have noticed, uh, and this goes for Kansas City, is a decrease in the fall snows that we've seen around Kansas City. Now, again, the data goes back to 1970, and we've seen a, a definite decrease, despite the last couple of years, in the October, which we typically don't get a lot of snow in, uh, and, December, and November snows. Other parts of the country have also done this as well. And as I look at a graphic, and it's on my weather blog, it's, it's really abundantly clear how the fall snow trends, September, October, November, for parts of the country have really dropped off. We're talking uh, most of the mid-Atlantic states, most of the Ohio Valley, a large chunk of the upper Midwest, and especially the western third of the country has seen a significant drop-off, in some cases, of fall snows. All right, so that takes care of September, October, and November. When we get into December, January, and February, it's actually kind of interesting. We've seen an increase in winter snows over the course of these 50-odd years uh, for many areas north from about the I-80 corridor northward. Once you get down towards the Tennessee Valley, the Mid-Atlantic states, uh, the I-70 corridor, uh, the exception actually is here in Kansas City, more on that in a second, and areas south, there's actually been a decrease in winter snow over the last uh, 50 years. As a matter of fact, they looked at about 144 stations uh, around the country, which isn't a lot, but it gives, kind of gives you an idea, reliable weather stations that have a pretty consistent, uh, pretty consistent reporting of snow. And uh, for the fall, they noticed that 80% of these stations were showing a decreasing trend. For the winter, they showed about a 46% decreasing trend, which means 54% have actually had more snow during the winter season. And for the spring, we've definitely seen a change here in the plains. Uh, we've seen a change in the Great Lakes. We've seen a change in the western part of the country. Uh, about 66% of these 144 stations have shown a decrease in spring snows. And that would mean for March and April, which are kind of weird months for us. Sometimes we get dumped on, other times we, we miss out. It seems like we've been missing out lately, though, here in Kansas City. So basically what, what this tells, <coughs> excuse me, what this tells us is that the snow accumulation for Kansas City, the, the window is getting tighter. We're missing the fall snows mostly, although these last couple of years we've seen snow in October and November. Uh, we're missing the, the March-April snows, mostly. So now we're kind of down to these last three months, on average, looking at the last 50 years of December, January, and February, we, where we have to get the bulk of our snow. On average, we get about 19 inches. Um, and interestingly, there's actually been a little bit of an uptick by about, uh, I think, less than an inch over the course of these last 50 years, from 1970, the trend line, to 2019, there's actually been just a little bit more snow during those three months than um, looking back to 1970. So there's a little trend uh, upward for snow, all right, for Kansas City during the winter season. Now, got to be careful with this. 
I got to be careful with all this type of data that I talk about because we all know KCI, it's only been around since the early 70s. And weather stations have moved from downtown to KCI, and that's two different places looking at snow, and it gets to be a little bit messy. So what happens is we try to thread the data together. When you thread data together, you take what happened at downtown, you morph it into KCI, and you combine both instances to come up with uh, all this data. So it's a little complicated. But anyway, for the winter season, we've seen about an eight-tenths of an inch increase in the winter snow over the course of the last 50 years. So what's going on here? Well, in the fall and in the spring, we've noticed as well that our temperatures here in Kansas City have trended up over the last 50 years or so, from 1970 through, uh, I believe, last year. There's been about a one-degree trend line of uh, warmer temperatures over those 50 years we're averaging our spring season one degree warmer. So if you start out a little warmer in March and April, it would seem to kind of connect the dot a little bit uh, that you get less snow. Snow in March and April is always a struggle anyway if we're around 34, 35, 36 degrees. Well, you tack on a little bit of extra to that, and it just makes the snow uh, the, the wetter kind that has a tougher time accumulating. Uh, to any great extent, which doesn't surprise us, I guess, all that much. So it's been, you know, an interesting study that that came out that I just wanted to kind of pass along to you. All right, so now what does this tie into with what I'm talking about in terms of springtime flooding? Well, a couple of things. One, so far, when I compare what's been going on uh, for the last few months in the upper Midwest, the northern plains, the Great Lakes states, and look at what happened last February in that same general area, what I've noticed is that there's actually more moisture uh, on the ground just sitting there, whether it's snow, whether it's saturated soils, compared to last winter at about this time. Now, what does that mean? Well, we remember how devastating the flooding was last winter, March, April, May, June, when we were setting some historic uh, river levels on the Missouri and the Mississippi, too, for that matter. So the the moisture, the soils up in the northern plains are virtually, if not 100% saturated. They're pretty darn close to being 100% saturated. So whatever falls, rain, snow, uh, especially the rain for the time being, will run off. Where does it run off? Eventually it goes into the creeks, it goes into the, the rivers, and eventually it, it gets into the Missouri River Basin. The Missouri River Basin goes from Montana all the way down to Kansas City. So what happens is the Missouri River gets too much water in it, and we start seeing the potential of flooding. Now, sometimes this could be alleviated if you get a dry trend for a couple of months, and the snow that builds up across the northern plains gradually melts so that things stay within the confines, if you will, of the Missouri River with some flooding, but nothing terrible. But they're already up in um, South Dakota, if memory serves, they're already releasing, uh, Gavin's Point, the dam up there, already releasing twice the amount of water downstream that they have done in the past. And that's a significant thing for this time of the year. They're trying to be as proactive as possible to take the pressure off the Missouri River so that when all this water that comes 
our way in February and March and April uh, and May, for that matter. When all this water comes into the stream, or comes into the river, I should say, that the river levels are a little bit lower than what they would normally be. This would hopefully reduce the threat of flooding. To compound all this is that so much of the flooding last year that we saw in the spring devastated and uh, wrecked a lot of the, the, the containment to the Missouri River. So the dikes that were along the river, um, anything that was holding the river back in some cases, in many areas, especially in some of the more rural areas, those containments, if you will, those dikes, those uh, berms, et cetera, they are devastated. They're wiped out. So what we saw last spring and last winter was this wide expanse of flooding across the upper Midwest and down towards our area uh, because of these broken um, dikes and berms and stuff like that holding the water back. Well, now those things are still broken, so there's nothing really to hold the water back. And so farmers that were really dealt a bad blow last year between the political situation, the trade situation, and the weather situation probably have another rough year coming, at least for the next few months. Now, again, there, there is a path that we can maybe minimize uh, the future losses for some farmers here. If we have a, a, a dry month, if we could get temperatures that don't do the whole hard freeze cycle where the soils freeze up, everything runs off. Uh, if we keep those soils somewhat uh, thawed, if you will, uh, which was an issue last year where we were getting these hard, cold snaps in the spring and it was just keeping those soils very, very frozen. Um, that all contributed to extra runoff. When it rained hard, it would just run right off into the basin. So there are some pathways where we could see things get um, perhaps not as bad as last year. But boy, I've just got, I don't have anything good to say right now uh, about the situation with the uh, Missouri River. And it might actually be even worse for the Mississippi River because the Mississippi River Basin basically starts uh, just south of the U.S.-Canadian border. It encompasses Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, uh, eastern Missouri. And all that water drains into the Mississippi River, which then goes down towards uh, the boot heel and eventually down into the Gulf of Mexico. Well, things are even worse for that area uh, because there's a lot of snow sitting on the ground right now in that general basin, especially the upper Midwest. And that snow's holding back the water, which is fine for now. But when that snow melts, if it does it very quickly, it's going to create uh, more issues for the Mississippi River Basin. So you've got the Missouri, you've got the Mississippi all in prime condition to do a lot of flooding uh, for the coming spring and perhaps even early summer. If you remember last year, we really started our flooding, if I remember correctly, back in March. Um, and I would not be surprised if something like that uh, happens again. It's just a, it's a fascinating thing in some ways, uh, but you know it, it, it's a devastating thing um, in other ways. I mean, I saw something the other day that farmers up in North Dakota, they still have corn in the ground that's waiting to be harvested uh, from last fall, but they could not get back out into, the, into their fields because of the crummy weather. 
So uh, whether it's snow or floods or mud or whatever. So this is just going to be another really, really rough year for the area farmers, not only for us locally, uh, but also especially across the upper Midwest. Another very, very rough year, I think, is heading their way. We'll hope for the best, but I've got bad, bad feelings about what's coming up. So those are just a couple of the stories that I've been kind of following here lately um, as we approach the halfway point of winter in this part of the country. From a temperature standpoint, it really hasn't been overly bad, uh, not by any stretch of the imagination. We've had a, a warmer than average January. We were a little colder than average in December, but overall, this winter has not been terrible. Uh, from a snow or temperature standpoint, we've had some pretty pretty reasonable days. We've we've made a run at record highs. We've had a couple of record highs already uh, in the last three months or so. That's not bad, not bad at all uh, for Kansas City. But again, uh, we'll see where things go here over the coming uh, six weeks or so because I think that's going to go a long way in determining just how bad the flooding gets um, around here. Other Kind of interesting weather stories have been out there. Uh, for example, in my blog on February 10th, I uh, wrote about uh, some strange, I don't want to say strange, but there's, you know, when we try to figure out long-range forecasting, we look at these various what we call indices. They're numeric val- values that we try to, uh, that we try to kind of connect to the weather. And one of these couple of them that we look at are, are these indices called the Arctic Oscillation and the North American Oscillation, the AO and the NAO. And I just want to quickly touch on the AO, the Arctic Oscillation, just a little bit. When the Arctic os- Oscillation is very strong, when, when we get a number that we call uh, positive, it means that the cold air, for the most part, is locked up up across uh, the polar region. It's not necessarily spilling down into uh, the United States. And that's been kind of the case really for much of the winter, right? There have been very, very, very few Arctic outbreaks into the United States. When it's positive, like I said, we trend warmer. Uh, The data on February 10th, though, was just crazy. It was record high positive number. The last time it was this high was back in uh, February of 1990. And so when the Arctic Oscillation is positive, we trend warmer. When the Arctic Oscillation is negative, we trend colder. And the data continues to show that there are no signs of any real uh, negative Arctic Oscillation values coming our way, which basically means that we won't be talking about the polar vortex uh, like we were last year. Uh, We'll just be talking about these little quick-hitting incursions of colder-than-average temperatures, granted, uh, but they only last for a day or two, unless you get real cloudy and then they could last longer. But uh, we just get these little quick hitting shots of cold air that just kind of come in, they come out, and then we warm right back up again. And that's been another kind of weird thing, if you will, about this winter. So uh, just a couple of odd, odd things. And probably the way this is connected, you may have heard in the news about how uh, airplanes were going from New York to London. They are grabbing into this jet stream up across the northern Atlantic Ocean. I was blowing at around 250 miles an hour. 
Um, they weren't taking full advantage of that, but they were taking pretty good advantage of it. And you were able to fly from New York to London in under five hours, when I believe normally it would take like seven to eight hours or something like that. Now, what happens is once you get into London and the plane comes back to New York, that plane wants no part of the jet stream, so of that type of jet stream. So they were flying all the way up towards Greenland, doing everything they possibly could to avoid uh, this headwind, if you will, if they're returning from London to New York. But it's all connected to this record high positive NAO. I went back and looked at the data from the day back in February of 1990 where we hit this record, and, and sure enough, the jet stream was almost very similar, very similar to the jet stream that we saw on February 10th. So the maps from 1990 to February 10th of 2020, 30 years ago, were very similar, just kind of one of those strange things. All right, so that's kind of like a little recap for you of the halfway point of winter. We'll see what we could get. I still think we've got some a couple of snowstorm chances coming up. Uh, but, boy, I tell you what, it, it's tough sometimes to try to find the right combination of cold air, accumulating snow, snow that doesn't melt because it's 34, 35 degrees. Um, yeah, it's going to be a trick here. Uh, over the next few weeks or so. Again, we've had close to 14 inches of snow. My winter forecast was for 26. I still am in it. Um, I think it's sort of on life support, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to take you on a little quick trip into Joe's Weather World for the middle part of February. I've got another blog, uh, another Joe's Weather World podcast coming up for the end of the month, and that's going to going to talk about how if you run a business and you need more specific localized weather forecasts, I'm going to talk to the, uh, an owner of a weather company, private weather company that provides that service. And we'll talk about the benefits to it uh, and stuff like that. That's all coming up at the end of February. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Joe's Weather World. Have yourself a great day and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader